welcome to Calvary Community Church, our online worship service. It's interesting days that we live in. I know in all the years that I've been going to church, I never could have imagined in my life that this is what we would be doing. But God knew, God knew ahead of time that this is the way that we'd be worshiping this weekend. And so we're glad that you're joining us and we're excited to be able to have our service and to bring it right into your own home. And our prayer is that as you're following along in the service, that it's a special time when we're all together differently. Now, there's some things I want to bring to your attention. This is usually our time for the announcements, and we can't announce upcoming events because we don't know what those are going to look like. But I want to make sure you understand that you can go to our webpage, and our webpage, calvarycommunity.net, and on there you'll find a special tab right up at the top that talks about how to go to our Thrival Kit. And our Thrival Kit will take you to a special page where you're going to be able to follow along with all the different ministries that happen here at Calvary. And we're working at ways to bring those ministries right into your home. Children's ministries, youth ministries, women ministries, all coming into your home. As well, you'll be able to see the letters that are coming from the elders, and you'll also be able to see letters that come from me and uh, as we try to keep you informed in what's happening. One really important tab as you go to the Thrival Kit is the Helpline tab. And as you go to that Helpline tab, it will let you sign up for ways that you want to help or for ways that you need help. And as we sift through those needs and those people who are willing to meet those needs, we'll be able to bring those together and step into the community and make the love of God known. Another really great tab on that page is the Right Now Media tab. It's a a tab that will open up a library for you of video resources that you can watch right there on your television or on your computer. Lots of kids programming and everything else. So there's a Right Now tab right there on the Thrival Kit as well. So we're glad you're joining us wherever you are and whatever it may be that you're doing. Welcome. I'd like to start with some scripture and remind us of why we're here and what we're here for. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nation are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Pray with me, will you? Father God, we come to you tonight. We're praising you and thanking you for this opportunity we have to worship you differently than we ever have before. 
And Father, I pray in, as in each of the homes or, or the groups where we're meeting, that as we sing along with the youth team, as they lead us in singing tonight, Lord, that it would be a joyful noise, a joyful song sung to you. We declare, Lord, that you are sovereign. You are holy. You are majestic. You are righteous. You are good. And you are merciful and you are kind. And so, Lord, we come together to declare your majesty and your glory. Holy God, blessed be your name. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen, God. It's so good to know that every promise in you, in Christ, is fulfilled and is absolutely certain. We thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we're so glad that you're here joining us. It's interesting because I'm looking around the room and, and I can see each one of you where you normally sit. And uh, I know a lot of you are visiting and probably have never been to Calvary before. I'm Chuck Serbanka. I'm the senior pastor. Tim Yorgi, our family pastor, will be preaching a little later. And so we're just really glad that you've stopped in to join us. And uh, I'd like to, to bring a couple of things to mind as we, as we enter into our time of prayer. It's our time of prayer and offering. And uh, if you normally are here and given the offering, we'd ask that you continue to do that. We want to continue to support our missionaries and things around the world. And so there are special ways that you can do that online. There's a, a place where you can go and give there, or you can send your donation in. We'd be glad to have it either way. And um, there's a QR code up on your screen that you can see as well. Uh, I was looking at Facebook today. My, my wife came and showed me uh, a post from Billy Graham, and he was talking about Habakkuk, and uh, it just had so much power. And uh, I don't know, you know, you read Scripture, and, and sometimes it feels as though it's so distant in the past, like these are ancient words, and how are they really relevant for us today? And I know that sometimes we can get confused about that, thinking that, Maybe these things aren't relevant, but the truth is that what we just sang in that song is that our, that our confidence is in, the, is in the faithfulness of God. And that's what we've been looking at in Hebrews, right? As we've been watching these people of faith, we've seen that they are, they are founded in the Word of God and they're focused on the faithfulness of God. And so as we look through the Word of God and we see all the different times and all the different places where God stepped into situations like these plagues and pestilence, sickness, disease, and all of those different things, as he stepped into those things, we get to see the faithfulness of God. And we get to see that even, even in the midst of, of what is uncertainty and the, the verse that McKinley shared with us about the plans that God had for the Israelites, it was at a time when they were going to be going through a hard time, but he had plans for them to prosper, just like for us. The faithfulness of God is that he has plans for us to prosper. And that's when we see him face to face for those of us who know him. But Billy Graham just does a wonderful job of talking about where is our trust. And so I'd like to show you that clip right now. Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk. Because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. 
I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. Amen. That's such a powerful message. What do you put your trust in, friend? Oh, I, I pray that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus. If God were to tell us what he was up to right now, we wouldn't believe it. And I think there's a certain degree of truth to that. I can't imagine what he's up to right now, but I'm excited to see how it works out because I know he holds the future and I know every day is accounted for. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord God, we come to you and thank you and praise you that truly you are the Lord and that we can put your trust in you. And God, in times like these, it, it causes us to examine ourselves and search ourselves and see the places where maybe we haven't trusted in you. As, as we go to the store and there's things that aren't on the shelf, maybe there's things we've been trusting in other than you. As we look to the future, as it relates to our jobs and maybe our, our security, Lord, is it revealing that maybe there were things we were trusting in other than you? These are unique times that we're in, God. And we thank you for trusting them to us. To trust them to us that we could steward these times for you well. And I pray that we would do that, God. I pray that as a people who are called by your name and called to serve you and called to represent you, as we are bearers of your names, Christians, Christ followers, that we would be your example as we go into the world each day. Lord, help us not be the ones who are going through the stores frantic. Help us go through in peace because the peace of Christ reigns in us. God, as we talk to people who are working in the healthcare industry or who are feverishly working to keep store shelves stocked, as we, as we stop in the gas station, as we encounter people who are serving the best they can, Lord, help us to be the examples to them. Help us to greet them with smiles and thank them for the extra work they're doing, for the extra care they're taking. God, we pray that in these times we would stand out. We would stick out as those who have a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of uncertainty and anxiety. God, as we, as we look at what it means to, for, to forsake gathering together for a period of time, Lord, remind us that we're doing this because of love. It's because, Lord, we don't want to infect others and we don't want to be the cause for this disease to go even farther than it is. So, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be bitter about this, but rather that we'd use this as an opportunity to remember what it's like to be together as families, to spend time with each other in ways that we maybe have gotten too busy for in the past. Lord, you've taken away things. You give and take away. And there's things that have been taken from us, and it allows us to focus on the things that we can't lose. Lord, I thank you that you've made it possible for us to have eternal life with you that we cannot lose. May we focus on that. God, I pray for your hand of mercy. Sovereign Lord, I cry out to you. And I cry that you would, Lord, eradicate this disease, that you'd take it from us. 
We understand and know, God, that you are sovereign. It's either come because you've allowed or decreed it. And so we ask boldly, I say in Jesus' name, that in your mercy, sovereign God, you would remove this plague. In the while, I pray that we would stand boldly in our faith and in our trust in you. God, I pray for those who've been impacted by the disease, for those who who are sick, for those who are self-quarantined, for those who are unable to work, for those who are unable to go to school, for those who are unable to take part in normal life. God, I pray that you'd be with them. I pray for our seniors, Lord, who many of them are locked down in, in quarantine. I pray, Father, for those healthcare workers who are struggling with not enough resources, Lord, of, of, of materials and supplies. And God, I pray that you would that you would protect them as they try to protect us. God, I pray for those who, who, who are families who've experienced death because of this disease. And I pray that you'd bring your comfort in the midst of that. God, we pray that you'd use this in a powerful way to revive your church to awaken us from complacency and slumber, Lord, where we may have fallen into that. And I pray that you'd remind us what matters. And what matters most is our eternity with you that's held in a place that cannot spoil or fade. So God, may we be a light in this time of darkness. We praise you, God. We thank you. And we thank you that you've brought us this far and because of your faithfulness, we know that you will continue to take us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As the team comes back up, they're going to sing a song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And you may or may not know what an Ebenezer is. And uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Philistines are coming against the Israelites, and they're coming in a big way against the Israelites. And Samuel is offering a burnt offering, and the Philistines come to engage the Israelites in battle. But the Lord that day thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic, they were routed before the Israelites. And so we're praying that God takes this epidemic and this pandemic and throws it into into a, um, a panic that will move away from us. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, a stone of help, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Amen. We're going to look to the Lord in prayer here. Uh, We're going to be continuing again with our series in Hebrews 11, but I'd like to look to the Lord in prayer before we open up his word. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you again for this wonderful opportunity we have to come before your throne, to gather together, and to see what your unchanging truth and your unchanging word has for us. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for allowing us to know what truth is in a world of constant change. In your name we pray, amen.
Now, obviously, uh, for those of you who are with us online, uh, this is different than what we had normally have met with. This is normally, this is different as well from uh, what you were even expecting last week at this time. And so what I encourage you guys to do is, if you have your Bible there, open it up. If you've got a phone, however you would like to follow along, I encourage you to try to take notes and just engage like we normally would if we were together. Because we are living in interesting times. Uh, we do not know what the other side of this crisis will be. Uh, we do not know what tomorrow will even bring. Will there be new rules? Will, be there, will there be new restrictions? We don't know. Yet we know one thing for sure, that we are called by God to live faithful, to be faithful, and to live faithfully until he calls us home to be with him. And that's why, as we've been working through Hebrews 11, that's why we're coming to today's title and the today's passage. And today's title is Living by Faith to the End. And so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to read Hebrews 11, and we're going to be starting off in verse 32. Uh, we'll read to verse 37, and then we will hop down to Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, because we'll be coming back next week, because this is part one of a two-part series. We'll be coming back next week and finishing the verses that we skipped over. So let's read together here Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in, sheeps, in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Now down to 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, these first several verses of the text that we were walking through, especially uh, verses 32 through 37. Uh, we're, we're seeing the way God has protected his people, especially the way he protects his people through physical harm. And it's interesting here, the way he protects them from physical harm is he allows them to stay on earth even longer than when the harm, if the harm would have happened to them, obviously their life would have been cut short. But now we see that they're staying longer. And that's why we see, though, the first point of the text, which we see the first one is living by faith, when God calls you to stay. And we see that in verses 32 through 35, because these verses remind us that we are pilgrims walking by faith here on this earth. That as we walk by faith as pilgrims through this world, we're headed to a place, and that place is heaven, our home with God. Yet along the way, though, each one of us is called to different paths. Some of our paths will be short. Some of our paths will be longer here on earth. Some may be rocky, some as well may be smooth. Yet each of these paths God has called us to walk. And he has placed each one of us on our own path to walk until he calls us home. But let's look at the paths that God has called these people to walk on. We see this here in verse 33. And the list is interesting. Listen to what these people have done. 
They conquered kingdoms, enforced justice. They obtained promises. Some stopped the mouths of lions. Others quenched the, the power of fire. Some escaped the edge of the sword. Some were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put their enemies to flight, women even receiving their dead back with resurrection. It's amazing because these verses here, there is nothing dull about what's going on in these passages. Uh, these situations here are really exciting. I mean, this is where we see that following God is an adventure. It's exciting. You see these things happening. Each one of these could be their own story, let alone made their own movie about how these things happened. And so what we see here, as the text is saying, that these people are living, and they're living safe, but they're not safe at the same time, because God has appointed unto them when these things are going to happen and what is going to happen. And so in a way, we see these people, they seem invincible. And as we look at these, we could say, what is this text trying to tell us? And I want to first remind us what this text is actually not saying before we get to what the text actually is saying. Uh, what the text is not saying is that these are promises that if everyone who follows God, you'll never have these things happen to you, or you will always have these things happen to you. These are not promises that if you follow God, you will always have people raised back from the dead, you will always escape the edge of the sword. These are not what this text is saying. What this text is saying is that when God has a plan for your life, nothing will thwart it. That it will set out and will, be accompl and will accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. That the things that normally stop our plans here on earth, when God has planned for you to stay, you will stay, even if it means miraculous ways for these things to take place. What I'd like to do right now, though, there's one phrase in here that in a way can, can sound out of place. It's found in verse 34. When it's talking about all these people that were either quenched by fire or escaped the edge of the sword, you see a phrase in here that says, we're made strong out of weakness. It's interesting because the text here, it seems like a lot of people are escaping a lot of things. And then all of a sudden there's a group that was made strong out of being weak. And we can ask ourselves, what is this saying? What it's reminding us, for, thus, for to live by faith, God is not looking for your strength. He's not looking for your bravery. What he is looking for is for you to rely on him and him alone. And their weakness necessarily was not necessarily physical strength, but it could have been physical strength, but their weakness was understanding that they can't do it on their own, and they needed to rely on God and His strength. So these passages here, as we look at them, they encourage us to walk by faith until God calls us to the other side, until God says, it's time for you to go home. But there may come along the way very dangerous situations that if God chooses to rescue us out of them and say, you're staying put here for longer, we are to continue to faithfully serve him until he calls us home. Especially when he says, it's time for you to stay. But you may be asking yourself, as you get older and as you get more tired and as you struggle with things in life, you may be asking yourself this, what if I want to go and he's telling me to stay? What if I'm getting tired? What if I'm getting a weak and he calls me to stay. How do I do this? Well, just like you, I long to be home with the Lord. I long for the bad things of this world to be made right. I long for my battle with sin to cease. 
I long to stop hearing horrible news. To experience the perfect unity with the saints, I long to see that. And I long to see my Savior face to face. But if he has told us to stay, if he's told us to stay put here, the Bible promises us that it will be worth it in the end. Because what we need to remember, just like these people did, we need to embrace the extra moments of the darkness in our lives, knowing that dawn is coming. And knowing that when that dawn comes, it'll be glorious. Even as the psalmist tells us that weeping comes in the night, but joy, the joy of being with Christ comes in the morning. So, when we are called by God to stay, may we live by faith in the staying. And then it turns to the second point of our our sermon is living by faith when God tells you to go. What we see here in verses uh, 35 through 37 is the second part. When living by faith, when God tells you to go, and we mean by go, it means to go home to be with him. Because God does not always, there's no promise that God is always going to miraculously deliver all of us from suffering. Sometimes by faith, God sustains his people through suffering. Because living by faith is no guarantee No guarantee of comfort and security in this life. So how do all of these people that have been tortured, that have been flogged, that were in chains, that were in prison, that were stoned, that were sawn into, how did each one of them endure the misery that was given to them? They endured it by faith. Just like those who had blessing, if you want to call it, of not dying, The same those who were suffering, or we could call the same blessing of suffering in their lives, both live by faith. Verse 39 tells us, and it says, And all these, who are these? The suffering people. Though commended through their faith, did not receive in this life what was promised. And so what we see here is that God does not lessen the agony of his children, but he permits them to experience not just suffering many times, but many times God permits his own people to have horrific suffering. Look at verse 37. They were stoned, and they were sawn in two, and they were killed with the sword. You look at that and you say, well, there's types of suffering. The sawing in two is about as horrific as you can get type of way of dying. But what we see here is that even though things seem to be horrible, and even though if you study church history, there's a lot of people that will say that Isaiah was the one that was sawn in two and might be the one that they're uh, referring to here, which we're not sure. But we see that even God's followers can die horrific deaths, but because it's not right now that matters in the end. It's how you live now to the future. Because there's a point here, there's a contrast That's interesting to play out. If you look at verse 34, you see the phrase, escaped the edge of the sword. And then look over to verse 37, where you see they were stoned, and they were sawn in two, and they were killed with the sword. So we see, verse 34, those who were escaping the edge of the sword, and then you see that those who were killed by the edge of the sword. So two different groups of people, yet at the same time, both of them are doing this by faith. So by faith, there are people that escape the edge of the sword, and then there's by faith by people that die by the edge of the sword. 
It's interesting, remember when as a church we went through the book of Acts and we talked about how James dies. He's the brother of John. He was put to death by the sword. And then a couple of verses later, Peter is in prison, ready to be killed by the sword, and God miraculously saves him out of that and rescues him. And we have two people, two followers of God, both following out what God had planned for them. One, his time was done. The other one, his time was to go. One was to stay and one was to go. Yet through this, they both live by faith to the end. Again, back at our text here, two different groups of people. We have the one who God is bringing them back from dangerous situations and, and protecting them from that. And we have the others that God is protecting them all the way to the end, allowing them to be faithful all the way to the end. Both walk by faith. Both are living faithfully to what God has called them to do. And so we can ask ourselves, well, why does one group, why does the first group get to stay? And why does the second group go? Why is there one group that has all these miraculous, exciting things seem to happen, and the other one seems to have all these horrific things happening? Well, why is that? It's interesting, as I was contemplating this, I was reminded um, by the story of uh, C.S. Lewis in his, one of his Chronicles of Narnia, there's a, one of the series there, you have the, the, the story of the horse and his boy. And in the horse and his boy, near the end of the story, Aslan, who plays the God um, figure in these stories, Aslan is walking alongside the main character, and the main character's name is, is Shasta, and they're walking along, and Aslan is reminding Shasta of all the things that happened in Shasta's life up until that point. And Aslan's talking to him, and he's talking to Shasta about the things that are going to come and the things that have happened in his life, the, the things that are building Shasta's character and why Shasta was doing all of these things. And Shasta very quickly pauses and wants to know about what's going on in his female companion's life. And so Shasta's starting to go, well, what about her? What about her story? And Aslan pauses and says this to the young man, child, I am telling you your story not hers. No one is told any story but their own. And what C.S. Lewis was trying to tell us there is it's not for us to know these things. God knows them. God knows when it's our time to go, and God knows when it's our time to stay. We are not told why one group had these things happen or the other group had the things happen. But what we are told is this, that they both walked by faith both of these groups. And so we ask ourselves, then, since we don't know why these things necessarily happen to each one, we have to ask ourselves, why are these stories even then recorded? I mean, why are they here for us? And that's where we see, though, down here in chapter 12, the purpose of these. That brings us to our third point, is living by faith encourages others. Because when we are surrounded, as the text tells us, by such a great cloud of witnesses, when we're surrounded, what are these cloud of witnesses doing? They're encouraging us to walk by faith, to lay aside these things, and to walk and to run the walk of faith. And so as we, as we go through this, we don't know, as we look at these texts, we don't know who the they are. You know, when it says they received this and they received that, we don't know what the they's were of, in this text. Now, the, obviously, the original readers understood that, and so we have to ask ourselves, well, who are the ones in our own lifetime? Who are the ones in our lifetime that are walking by faith that we have seen? And so I'd like to share just a story real quick of a true story of a group of missionaries who walked by faith and how they walked by faith. 
In the 1950s, down in Ecuador, there was a group of young men and their families that went down, and they were working to try to give the gospel to new tribes, tribes that had not uh, had either contact with humans or outside of their own world there, contact as well with the outside world, or even contact with the gospel. And there was a group called the Aka Indians that this group of men were desiring to share the gospel. Now, the Aukans were incredibly violent Indian tribe. And so what they decided to do was to circle around and try to make contact with them by dropping gifts and certain things. And before you know it, they had exchanged gifts only through the air. And so this group of men who knew what the Word of God had said, who knew the call, global missions, the Great Commission, they knew that God had said, I will be with you wherever you go that your job is to take the gospel, and that God will be with them. They're not going on their own. These group of men one day decided that today was going to be the day, and it was January 8th, 1956, when they said goodbye to their wives and children after praying. Jim Elliott and four young missionaries approached the jungle edge where the Alka Indians had lived. Their plane was resting on a sandbar in the middle of the river, And they had already previously decided to leave weapons in the plane so they would not use them if things got a little, little, went south quickly. Because they had decided already that they were not going to use violent means to bring about protection. So they had prayed that God would protect them. And their last recording act, according to Elizabeth Elliot, was that they sang a hymn together. And the hymn that they sang was this, right before they decided to step out of the plane. It says, we go in faith, our own great weakness feeling, and needing more each day thy grace to know. And yet from our hearts, a song of triumph pealing, we rest on thee, and in thy name we go. All five of them were killed that afternoon. But they too were protected by God. John Piper comments, they were protected from a fate worse than death. They were protected from cowardice, unbelief, and fear. God protected them all the way to the end. So what are the things that are keeping us from living by faith each day? What are the things that we should cling to? What are the things that should guide us, whether we're with the first group in this text or the second group in the text? Well, following what even these young men did with Jim Elliott and the guys that were with him, they had a firm grasp on God's Word. They were men of prayer. And you see, even before they went into action, what did they do? They sang a theologically robust anchoring song that anchored them as they went knowing that they were weak, knowing that they needed God. And so they cling to God. They rested on thee, and in whose name did they go? They went in God's name. It's interesting. I don't know if any of you have decided to venture out and go to the, uh, the grocery stores, but if when you do that, it's interesting to see what aisles things are missing and what aisles are full. Because in times like this, people, when they're not sure what to do, they run for the essentials. They run and try to gather what we need. What are the things that we need? One of the last aisles that is usually filled with many things is the candy aisle. Because as everybody's getting their meat and potatoes, the last thing they seem to get 
is candy because we do know even though candy tastes good we do know at the end of the day what do we need to survive and just like that just like that little analogy i just shared just like that what's going to hold us now when uncertainty comes when pressure is put on us what we need to run to are the doctrines of god's word his truth things like god's sovereignty and grappling with it and resting in it running to the idea that god is holy and when he does things he does what is right he is all wise he is faithful we cling to that we run to that because we know those are the things that are going to sustain us. So in moments like this, what do we do? We run to God's Word. We dig in it. We read it. We study it. We meditate on it. Then we pray. We come together before God's throne and ask God to heal our land, to heal us, to protect us all the way to the end. And then we take song, robust singing, we take song and we, we allow those songs to impact us. We allow it to take those things that we have learned from God's word and through prayer and help us to know the tune that to carry us through the day. So in moments like this, we run to God's word. We run to him in prayer. And we run to him with song. So what I'd like to do right now is to take a moment and think. Am I living by faith each day? Am I living by faith to what God has called me to do? Because we can very quickly in our lives get caught up with sitting there and looking at the news and checking this and checking that and not asking ourselves, wait a minute, am I living by faith to what God has called me to? Or am I quickly running in the hustle and bustle of what do I need to do? Do I pause and allow God's truth and God's word to lead me and guide me? Am I faithfully doing what God has called me to do this day until he calls me home? And so what I'd love for us to do as a church is to continue to go before the Lord, to go into his word, to go to him in prayer, to sing those songs that anchor us and ask, what does it look like for us to be a church that is faithfully being called to do what God has called us to do each day? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know the God who holds tomorrow. And I'd encourage you to rest in Him. But I encourage you, while you're resting in Him, to be continually asking Him, what are the ways we can serve and the community around us being a light, knowing that it's through the gospel and the gospel alone that will change and save people. So let's look to the Lord in prayer now. Dearly Father, we are so grateful for who you are. We are grateful that you have called us to yourself. We are grateful that it's by you and through your power that we live and we move and that we have our beings. Knowing that you will protect us, protect us to the end, may we live by faith, trusting in you. We ask these things in your son's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to close with a benediction found in Psalms 121, verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you, keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. As we rest in God's keeping, may we go in faith. We look forward to seeing you again, and we pray that you remain faithful until God calls you home.